Man don't live off of the hype, huh? Real thing, eh? Hello and welcome to Protect the Shield. I'm Joe Pohorilis, joined by Seth Hellman, and this is episode five. It's New Year's Eve right now. We're doing a bit of a year in review type of episode. We'll be we'll be doing a sort of abbreviated All Pro teams uh, with a little twist. Is Seth is going to be doing strictly the AFC, and I'll be doing strictly the NFC. Um, so yeah, that's just how we're going to go with it today. How how are things for you, Joe? Last time we uh, last time we recorded, you were still at school, but now you're. Uh, I see you're home. So how how's things back home? Um, yeah, not not super eventful. Just sort of laying low with uh, family at home. Not really. Uh, I did see some family in New York uh, earlier this year for just holidays and stuff like that, but it was small groups and masking and distance and everything like that but other than that i've just been just been at home pretty much how about you uh just chilling for the most part i uh saw who did i see did i see anyone yeah I, I, i hung out with one of my buddies the other day we uh built well we added netting to the frame of a hockey uh net that he had created he took pvc pipes like created a night and then we got um like uh i don't even know what it's technically called but it was like safety netting like you know the orange like safety netting that's like thick plastic stuff mm-hmm. yeah, we basically yeah. took that and we zip tied it onto the frame so that it could uh serve as kind of the net so oh nice that was kind of the gist of what we did there but for the most part just kind of sitting inside you know i get were, out were you on a pond play. or was it just like street hockey? No, so. street hockey yeah neither one of us can skate so mm. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little bit of a you know, it's it's a little bit tough to uh, go out there on a pond if you if you can't. Yeah, see. yeah. You, you should take the you should take one of the skating classes that that I'm doing at BU, learning to learn to ice skate, should, get onto the get onto a rink. Sometimes, consider yeah. that, yeah, for sure. That's that's one of those things where it's like I don't I I'd, I'd have to. It, it'll be interesting. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, it's I. It, yeah. Not not to go super in depth on this because it's not super. Uh, interesting but yeah no i just uh never learned yeah because i personally never learned how to skate growing up and then just being watching hockey and being a fan of it i always wanted to sort well, of get on the ice it's in some capacity like just being right. able to just go out like go go out on a pond or go in a rink and just like knock a puck around not obviously not like joining the bu club team or anything like that or any any type of thing like that so the yeah. fact that bu offers that is pretty cool and i'm good to happy to take advantage of it What's funny is I, when I was younger, I took skating lessons. Like I've got my little baby skates in Mm -hmm. the basement. I just, my parents didn't keep me in it. So I never, you know, ended up being. I mean, it's expensive. Like it's to the equipment and just, you know, renting time and lessons and stuff like that, that that'll add up if you keep going Mm -hmm. at it for that long. Yeah, and I don't think they were ever going to, like, have me play hockey. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a battle for me to, you know, even get to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I, it would be significantly cheaper than most people, you know, doing that. But, yeah, it's still, you know, you have to pay for the lessons. And, you know, skates aren't cheap, but obviously it's significantly cheaper than having to pay for, you know, everything that comes with, uh, with, with hockey gear. Oh, yeah, helmet pads, sticks, yeah. Man, it's it's crazy. Like the NHL players, obviously, like the whole teams have their they've got like hundreds of sticks, like just within the training facility. But like you see a player snap their stick in a game and like it's no big deal. They'll just skate off and grab a new one or like right, but it's also like whatever. Three hundred. No, but that's the thing. That's the thing. Snapped on the ice. No, that's the thing. Because like with, when a pro does it, it's not that big of a deal. Like they're not going to sit there and be like, oh, man, that that's but like if you see that in like in like a juniors level game or like uh, any any youth level game like if someone snaps their stick like that's that's a huge deal <laughs> like that's that's a yeah. major like hit to the pocket if uh if that ever happens which is just just so uh just that whole difference is really funny or sad if you're the one involved but right but yeah so i think good on the intro here you know nice little 
banter heading yeah. in, but uh, hockey related banter, which we'll get back to in a little bit because yeah, we were assuming we, were on, we have time at the end, we will be yeah. discussing a little bit. We're right? on uh, both sides of the Zidane Chara, uh, I guess free agency signing, yeah. movement signing, so we'll probably touch into that if we have time. Uh, yeah, but for now, uh, do you well, want to just go by position back and forth? Uh, yeah, I think that works. We can start with uh, would you rather start with offense or start with uh, with defense? Uh, let's go offense, I guess, yeah. just to, just to start off and then move down. So we're, the way so, we're going to do it is quarterback, running back, receiver, and then defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back, and then one bonus position or wild card player for both the offense and defense, if that makes sense. So it's going to be eight total players, four on offense, four on defense, and then we're going to start with the offense. And again, Seth has the AFC and I have the NFC. Right. So, I mean, I'm going to go first because we're doing quarterbacks. It's really not a debate right now in the AFC. So obviously the all first selection has to be Patrick Mahomes. Like he's just been, he's been great all year long. I think um, the the stat that I did see the other day though, that's interesting with Mahomes is I think there've been 16 dropped interceptions that he's thrown this year, which is apparently the most since they started tracking that stat so that is one thing to like consider when looking at how he's played this year um but statistically he has been you know one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl and probably the easily the best in the uh in the afc and i think he gets the edge over uh i mean his stats are better than deshaun watson's but i think he gets the edge over deshaun watson just because of team record um but it's different in the nfc because there are two quarterbacks or more than two probably that you could kind of have a discussion around well, um, but I, I think I think I know who you picked, but and it, this was a different conversation, you know, eight weeks ago. Yeah. But, oh no! For I'm surprised you're not including Josh Allen, even though he because uh, I don't I don't buy I am like I'm like Bill Belichick. I don't buy into the Josh Allen craze. I mean, I will get into this when we get to wide receivers, but Josh Allen is not the quarterback, and I won't like I'm not going to spoil it yet, so I'm going to wait for it, but. The gist is Josh Allen's not the quarterback everybody thinks that he is. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think what he's done this season is impressive, even with the player that I think you're gonna pick later on for one of the other positions. But for me, you know, eight, you know, half half a season ago, my answer would have been different. But at this stage, it's gotta be Aaron Rodgers for the NFC quarterback. He's a one of the only MVP him and Mahomes are pretty much the only two MVP candidates at this point. He's got 4,000 yards uh, just over. He's got leads the league with 44 touchdowns, has just five interceptions. I think I didn't see the exact stat with this, but I think he's the only quarterback to have like three seasons of 40 touchdowns and five or fewer interceptions. Obviously he could throw another one uh, next week, but still he's just doing insane things. Yeah. Scoring, not turning the ball over. He's like throwing for you know, just everything he's doing is terrific. And the fact that he's doing it despite having Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams, which are two really good players for their positions. Um, they came into this off season after getting smacked by the 49ers and the NFC championship games and their top two draft picks were on a backup quarterback in Jordan love and a backup running back in AJ Dillon. So they didn't add like anything super crazy to this, offense or anything any huge like improvement to this offense and some people even thought they would take a step back because of that but instead him and Devonte adams and even aaron jones if you want to lump that lump him in there have really kept them as one of the best teams in the nfc but rogers is definitely the the one to single out there because other than that they they don't really have much help offensively no, they really don't. Um, I think, I mean, what's, what's crazy too. I mean, you look, like Devonte Adams got what 17 touchdowns this year. Yeah. Like that's unreal. Um, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Rogers has just been, it, it's crazy how dominant he's been this year. I mean, I was one of those people that saw them draft love and was sitting there and I was like, what, what, what's going on here, guys. I do have to say the one, Last little funny comment that I have is: Did you see AJ Dillon try to do the Lambo leap? And just yeah, I did fail? see that. Yeah, <laughs> that, I found that very funny. It's um, he's from you know he went to BC, so he's from around this area. So I went to kid, to high school with kids who um ran against him in track and like yeah, I guess he was a. What's funny is apparently he was a high jumper, 
because I know somebody who did high jump and apparently uh-huh. got m- obliterated by him. So the fact that he was a high jumper, well, here's the thing, and he couldn't make the Lambo leap. I here's the thing. Funny. Here's the thing. One, he's in terms of the high jump thing, he's wearing pads in the NFL game, and he had just ran like a fifty-plus yard touchdown, or however long that? the touchdown was, which is a lot less than a high jump. So, it was, but another thing, and I think the more important aspect is there are no fans in Lambo. And right. the fans they will pull up the players you, yeah. on the wall, like at least fifty percent of the time. Very rarely does a guy get up there all the way on his own. He usually has everyone in the front row, sort of pulling him up there to help him. AJ Dillon did not have that, so maybe that's on him for trying to do it without any fans in the front row to help him up. But I'll defend him on that aspect. Otherwise, it it was a pretty funny look. But I think I think that's worth mentioning for for that. Yeah, for sure. All right, I think we move on to running backs, and I don't anticipate this being a long conversation. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry, obviously, for the AFC. I mean, it's going to be tight between him and Rodgers to who gets MVP. I mean, I like it's so like it's such a weird debate to have between the two of them because, like, since when is a running back ever relevant in an MVP campaign? But I think it, you know, it, it comes down to who means more to their team. And even that's not an easy pick, right? I mean, you could argue that there's more weapons around Rodgers than there are around Henry, but like, I don't know, it's still like I don't think that the Packers are nearly as good this year without Rodgers. And you can say the same about Tennessee. So it's a really good debate there. But yeah, clearly the running back pick for the AFC has to be Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, he's he leads the league in yards in rushing yards by at least two hundred. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, he has seventeen seventy seven, I believe, and yeah. Dalvin Cook has fifteen fifty seven. So yeah, and I think he's got he and he's averaging like one hundred eighteen yards per game, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what his yards per carry are. I think because I was looking at it earlier when I was looking at my running backs, I think it's like 5.3 or something like that, So, wh- which is wh- absurd. Right, it is. It really – I mean, well, what's funny is actually um, uh, Damian Harris in New England has – or at least at the start of the season, I don't know if it's still as good as it was. Um, he was averaging more than that on a carry. Like he was at, like right around but, there, which is insane. But, but you Derek take Henry's account- doing it right. Henry's doing it yeah. at a at a pace of three hundred and forty four rushing attempts on the season. Right, he's got yeah the, the the amount of attempts and the fact that he's still you know getting that many yards. But I will say, as as a one of his fantasy owners and a proud fantasy owner of Derrick Henry this past season, there were a lot of times that got pretty frustrating in terms of how Tennessee ran their offense because Derrick Henry's going to bust out for big plays pretty much all the time. He's got at least like four highlight real stiff arms this year alone. And it's yeah. just a, just a cheat code on the field, but watching every single play, like there are so many times where like they've got it set up where Derrick Henry's going to run the ball and the defense knows exactly that Derrick Henry's going to run the ball and he's going to get just two yards and then fall short. And then, Ryan Tannehill on the next play will throw like a 30 yard pass to AJ Brown because like they, the defense anticipates that Henry's going to run the ball. And then instead the passing offense gets all the points in that aspect. But I guess it just shows how much he's respected around the league. But um, a lot of times, like it's just, they stack the box completely. He can only get two yards at a time. And then every once in a while, he'll bust out for like a 30, 40 yard run, which is the thing you see on sports center and the thing that's going to bet going to get seen, which isn't taking away from Henry's ability. It's just, uh, I feel like if they had a more balanced attack, they'd be able to use him like even better. If it was slightly more balanced, they'd be able to, he'd be able to be even more dynamic and capable of even more big plays than he already is making already. Yeah. So Derek Henry is 5.16 yards per carry. Dalvin Cook's just under five. Damian Harris is sitting at 5.04. That's only on 137 carries, but close to 700 yards for him. And then um, blowing all of them out of the water is Lamar Jackson. Oh, well, yeah. 908 yards on 148 carries, which is. He hasn't 908 yards this year? He has 908 yards. If he gets, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I knew if he, he was... gets 92 yards, he'll be the first quarterback to have back-to-back 
um, 1,000 plus wow. rushing yard seasons ever. Because even Michael Vick didn't have right. back-to-back thousand yard seasons, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, I like I knew he he did a few games here and there that you know he'd have well over a hundred yards on like just nine carries or something like that. But I had no clue he was that close to a thousand this year. I thought he was a little bit further back. So that's yeah. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be. That's the thing too is he's got a real shot at it because he'll be playing. Oh yeah, you know they 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 need they need to, to. yeah they need him to to do that. So that that'll be uh that'll be interesting to. It's interesting to see. I, I, I'm definitely rooting for that. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, so for the NFC side, running back, there are two pretty clear choices for this. But I lean towards Alvin Kamara, not just because of his Christmas Day performance, but because he's got – right now he's sitting at 932 rushing yards, which is a career high for him and obviously is a very good chance of being a 1,000-yard rusher for the first time. And – uh he leads the league in six, with 16 rushing touchdowns, or he shares the lead. Um, obviously, most of those came against Minnesota, but still, he's been finding the end zone consistently. Um, he has a career high in receptions, 83 yard, er, 83 receptions, which I believe leads running backs. It should, at least by a wide margin. And uh, he's it's got 756. Done. Yeah, and he's got 756 receiving yards on top of his nearly a thousand rushing yards. And that leads all running backs by nearly 200 yards. So even when Taysom Hill came in for a little bit and sort of took away from some of his rushing production, he's still been just as big of a dual threat as you'll see. And he's been huge, huge part of that offense. And just, I think the best two way running back in the entire league. Um, I'm looking right now and it looks like, The next closest running back to him in receptions is Mike Davis with 59 receptions. Yeah. So, which is just, so just an unreal amount of different. And he's got, so he's, I mean, he's 1,600 all purpose yards this year. Um, a little more than that. Just that's just the guesstimation looking at the first number. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that puts him ahead of Dalvin Cook. Um, and Cook is the other guy that you know you would probably consider in that. I mean, unless you wanted to put Aaron Jones, because I'm, but I, I don't know. I don't think you can put. I don't think you can justify putting Aaron Jones above Dalvin. No, J- Jones has missed some games. He's kind of slowed down a bit uh, in the in the past few weeks. But he was he was he was up there in the first half of the season. But I think he's yeah. sort of slowed down a bit. Um, and but yeah, Dalvin Cook's just yeah. been. He's had such a great season. But yeah, you're you're absolutely dead on. Kamara's just been outstanding all year long. Shout out Alvin Kamara for both losing me and winning me my fantasy championship. <laughs> the uh, the wonderful dichotomy of being in three separate fantasy leagues with four different teams. Right. Yeah, looks quite the roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll move on to wide receiver. Uh, so AFC, and this brings us back to the Josh Allen conversation. It's not even close. He's by far been the best wide receiver in the NFL this season. Stefan Diggs leading the NFL in receptions, leading the NFL in receiving yards. Um, obviously not, you know, as we mentioned, Devontae Adams, 17 touchdowns, um, not leading the league in, uh, receiving touchdowns, but just having an unreal season, he'll be, in all likelihood, the first ever Bills receiver to lead the NFL in uh, receptions. Um, and to me, he's doing exactly what he's been doing his entire career in Buffalo, um, you know, compared to what he was doing in Minnesota. In Minnesota, he was making Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum look like they were serviceable quarterbacks. Stefan Diggs made them look good. He got them, you know, whatever contracts they ended up getting. And I think that's exactly what's happening in Buffalo right now. And I don't think Josh Allen is even a quarter of the quarterback that he appears to be if Stefan Diggs isn't on this team. I mean, uh, you watched the game. They had the game, uh, I want to say it was two weeks ago. I will double check it currently. But Stefan Diggs dropped a couple of passes in the first half of the game, and it was tight. And they did not look good at all. And, you know, Allen was missing his throws. Like, like to, to his credit, the ones that Diggs dropped were 
on Diggs. Like, those were his fault. Um, I believe this was the 49ers. It was either the 49ers game or the Steelers game. It was one of the two of them. But Diggs had a, a bunch of drops in the first half, and Allen was just all over the place when he was throwing to other guys. Like, it just didn't look good. Then all of a sudden, come back second half, and Diggs is catching the ball all over the place, and it's not even close anymore, right? Like, they, they just blew out whoever they were playing, either the Steelers or 49ers, in that second half. And that, to me, is the difference, right? That's why I don't look at – Josh Allen and say, Oh, he's an MVP candidate. That's why I look at a guy like Deshaun Watson and I'm like, no, that's a guy that I would much rather see as an MVP candidate because he's got more passing yards. He has a better touchdown to interception ratio. If I'm not missed. So he has uh, 158 more passing yards on 42 less attempts. He has four less touchdowns but three less interceptions he has a higher quarterback rating um than josh allen he is he has more 40 plus yard completions more 20 plus yard completions um his longest completion on the season is significantly higher than josh allen 77 yards 55 yards and he's been sacked 20 more times than Josh Allen has. So not only is he being better statistically than Josh Allen, but he's also under more pressure from the defense than Josh Allen is. And oh, by the way, his receiving core isn't even half as good as the Bills receiving core. Like there's no argument there. So to me, that that's just why I look at it and I'm like, like, from the eye test standpoint, when I watch games, I see Deshaun Watson as a better quarterback than Josh Allen. But from a statistical standpoint, too, the stats back it up. Well, I don't disagree that Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback. But, I mean, the, the, your, your earlier point was that Diggs has made Cousins and, um, and Keenum look like good quarterbacks or serviceable quarterbacks. Or look much this better is, than they actually are. Right. But this is his first year in – this is his first year in Buffalo and Allen has taken a step up into, you know, like it or not, whether you think Deshaun Watson is, I think Watson's a better quarterback, but just when you look at the bills whole season, Allen is still an MVP candidate. He, he may not win. He's probably not going to top Rogers or Mahomes, think but he's still in the three. running. He's still in the running for it. He's going to get, I, I think he'll get down ballot votes at the very least, if not a couple Sure, you know, he'll, get, he'll get a couple of. Uh, I just, I don't think he's, he's gonna get. That's he's the, gonna get more like, than Watson like, this year. I mean, you, you said that's, it right. Like Josh Allen, like Stefan Diggs comes to Buffalo and Josh Allen takes a step up, right? Like that's not. Right. A, that, that doesn't change the fact he's still better than he's still better than Cousins and Keenum. Oh yeah, for sure he's better. I'm I'm not saying that he's on the level of Cousins and Keenum. I'm just trying to use that as the comparison, right? Like Kirk Cousins looked like a good quarterback for the past what two three years that he's been in minnesota you know they ended up making it to i want to say the nfc championship game one of those years right but no um, that the nfc championship game was case keenum it was keenum's year but yeah, yeah so then the comparison still stands right that like case keenum basically a career backup all of a sudden gets a team to the nfc championship game right like that's not that's they not an adam feeling right? too like it, and they had well, adam yes, feeling and dalvin cook right. like they're still feeling still good dalvin cook is still good what, and but Cook obviously not on the same level last year as he was this year, right? He's definitely made a jump. No, he saying. was he was he was really good last year too. No, he he was statistically good last speaking. Year. I'm, anyway. I'm just saying that he, I feel like he's been significantly better this year than last year. Like I feel like he's getting a lot more credit this year than he did. Who last Cook? Year. Or are we still talking about Cook? Cook? Cook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, Cook. I don't know. I think I think he's been as good as he was. Right. Regardless, though, like Diggs was kind of, like Diggs was pretty much the bona fide number one in his time in Minnesota, right? Like, was I, he though? I feel like Thielen was still the, like, he, he was still feeling, I mean, like, rated above him. A, a much Isn't that the reason why Diggs left? Cause like he wanted to be the, no, that the is not the guy. Diggs, Diggs left because it was, and he didn't even leave. He got traded, but the Minnesota organization is not the greatest in the world. Um, and he had I mean, a down I'll, season last year, right? Like he had a bit of a down season, but it also wasn't his fault. It was quarterback play. Like there's only so much you can do regardless, but I, yeah, I'm not blaming him for that, but, um, but it was feeling you had a better whole, year, right? Uh, he feeling might've had a better year, but the, the thing with feeling is he's kind of like a Wes Welker, um, Julian Edelman, but he's a deep threat too. Like, like feeling 
is more of like your like, like he he'll be more of like kind of a slot guy but he's like he, he can run the deep routes whereas like you don't think of julian edelman as like the deep route guy or Wes Welker is like the deep route guy. So Thielen, I think is more well-rounded than they are, but I feel like a lot of his catches are, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll double check, but I don't he did, believe. Thielen did get hurt actually last year and was only, he only played in 10 games. So Diggs right. did have the the better season, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I mean. And Diggs played like the full season. So yeah. All right. Um, yeah. What were you saying? You... Yeah. So like I, I don't know. I just, I look at it and I say, I feel like Diggs has a much bigger impact than, you know, than Thielen does on that, on that offense. Right. Like it's just, to me, that just, when I, when I look at it, I say Diggs has been the number one guy. That's just kind of how it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not to say that Thielen has been bad. I mean, he's got two 1200 plus yard seasons, um, that with a 967 yard season in 2016, his catch percentage is unreal. Um, over 65% most of the time, uh, 75% in 2016. Like, he's a very good receiver, and I don't mean to take anything away from his ability. I just like my point was Diggs is the number one guy, Diggs is making guys look better. Um, I might not be articulating this the best way if I'm not. Listen to Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones <laughs> talks about this a lot better than I can. And, he, you know, he's, he agrees with me. He, he says, look, I watch the games. I say Josh Allen still makes a lot of these mistakes. And his big thing actually with Josh Allen is um, he thinks that Josh Allen is skittish. And when I say skittish, I mean, like, is kind of frantic in the pocket when he comes under pressure. And I'm, I'm more inclined personally to believe that guys can overcome that Bomani Jones doesn't think that guys can overcome that or fix that. Um, but yeah, when you watch Josh Allen play, when he gets under pressure, there are times when he gets frantic. There are a lot of decisions that he makes during games that, you know, aren't the best. I mean, he, he did technically get picked off against new England. It just, there was a penalty on the defensive line. So the, play came back like there was the pick got erased but it was a bad throw into really tight coverage that got picked off Mm -hmm. so there are things that he does that to like when I watch a Sean Watson play he doesn't make those mistakes and that's why I look at Sean Watson and say if I have to pick in an MVP race between who deserves to get more credit and more votes I edge towards Deshaun Watson every single time yeah, I, I, again, I, I think I've said this a couple times, but yeah, I agree Watson's the better quarterback. I just think in an MVP race, especially, uh, team success, especially when it comes to a quarterback, is a big part of an MVP race. And Watson, I wouldn't blame him for what the Texans, for the Texans being a bad team. I think he's probably the least to blame on that entire roster. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at, realistically who's going to win MVP it's going to go to quarterback on a winning team and right now Allen fits that bill and he's statistically he's still been he's still been doing pretty well obviously you can look at him at the games there are some decisions that are questionable um and obviously the addition of Diggs helps him but I think he's still turning into a pretty you know a, a good a great quarterback even if he's not you know the elite of the elite he's still he's still someone you'd want to have leading your team at this point. Yeah. I have nothing against Josh Allen. I think he's a really good guy and he seems to be a good leader. And it looks like his teammates like him. I just don't think he's as good of a quarterback as people want to make him be. All right. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go, since we spent a good amount of time on that, I'm going to run through my receiver and my wild card bonus pick just because they're pretty, I don't think there's going to be much debate for them. I think they're pretty self-explanatory and then we can jump back to whoever you have. For wide receiver, it's it's got to be Devontae Adams from of the course. Packers. He's just been on a tear, leads the league with 17 receiving touchdowns. He was there was like a streak where from like week seven to week 14 where he had at least one touchdown every single game, and many of those games it was at least two touchdowns. Um, and he's top five in receiving yards despite missing two games earlier this year. So he's keeping pace with all these guys that have played two more games with than him. If he if he was active in those games and was playing as well as he has all season, then he could very well be leading the league in receiving yards and 
could have 20 plus touchdowns, which is insane to think. I mean, he's Rogers only, I guess, reliable or high end target. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling and the other guys they have there, they're fine, but Adams is just on another tier than everyone. And he's averaging over a hundred receiving yards per game. He's just been producing like crazy. And he's a huge reason why, Rodgers is having an MVP season. I, I mean, they complement each other. They're right. both yeah. very I get, I get what you're saying. reasons for their success. But he's a uh, – I mean, and you can you can see, like, Rodgers is praising him. Like he said – I think earlier this week he said Charles Woodson was the best teammate he's – or, like, the best player he's ever shared a locker room with or, like, played with on the Packers. And he said Devontae Adams might have to enter that conversation. So, like, the, the respect for him is up there. The He's just been – He's been terrific this year, and he's the obvious wide receiver pick. And then it seems like you got something to say about that. No, I'm the best teammate. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm, My brain. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No, I know. I'm not saying that you are. I'm just thinking about. I feel like that's disrespectful to like Julius Peppers. Yeah. No, I I forgot how he phrased it exactly because like he didn't say best receiver because obviously Charles Woodson isn't a receiver. Right. Yeah. No. Defensive player. Yeah. I don't know because I mean. Like Woodson was a much, I feel like, I mean, personally, I feel like Woodson was better in Oakland than he was in Green Bay. I might be wrong about that, but I just, I, don't, I feel like he was definitely more well known in and about being good in Oakland than Green Bay. But yeah, I feel like Julius, like, I mean, yeah, I yeah, feel he, like Julius Peppers, man. Like, so Rogers said the specific quote, or at least the headline for the article. Um, Aaron Rodgers says. Devontae Adams is, along with Charles Woodson, the best player I played with. Interesting. I mean, it's not shade to Charles Woodson. I love Charles Woodson. I just, I think that Julius Peppers might get the edge. I mean, if you're talking career, like, I'll give Woodson the edge. Like, I would say that Charles Woodson was the better football player over his career compared to Julius Peppers. But if we're just talking about their time as a teammate of Aaron Rodgers. Well, how long was Peppers on the Packers? Isn't he more of a... Was he more of like a Bears and Panthers? Uh, or am I thinking of? Yeah, I, uh, Pepper. Yeah, he spent he spent the latter half. Am of I his mixing crew, up latter what end? He spent? Yeah, yeah, so he spent, I am mixing he, it up. That's on me. Yeah, so Peppers was, yeah, was on Carolina that. from like oh two to 09. He was on the Bears from twenty ten to twenty thirteen. See, and I'm the mixed, Packers for like he's three only there seasons. for three years. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm in mixed, his mid thirties. So like, yeah, that that makes sense. I, I mixed up my my. T- I thought that he. Uh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought he went from Carolina to mm. Green Bay and then only had a couple of seasons yeah. in Chicago. So that's I mean, me. but even yeah. still, like he played with. I guess he was in the same room, but he was he was. He was with Brett Favre at some point in his career. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he's talking cool. about like they didn't like each other. That was the thing. He yeah, I, I feel like at this point though, they've sort of like they've they've developed a mutual respect for each other at this point. I think it's I think well, they've yeah, said there's gonna good be that things. mutual respect. I mean, eventually Favre had to give it to him once you know he realized this dude's gonna be a future Hall of Famer, but like yeah, no, they still did not like each other. No, that yeah, that's true. Um and then real quick for my bonus, um, I put Dalvin Cook for that just because it's such a close yeah, race between him right. and Kamara we just sort of spoke about how Minnesota has been really good, even with Dalvin cook here, uh, him and Derek Henry are the only guys averaging over a hundred yards per game. He's averaging five yards per carry. He's even adding uh, in the receiving game. He's the eighth most receiving yards of running backs this year. Um, so he's I mean, it was a two, two person race between him and cook or him and a uh, Camara. So I, I gave him the, the bonus spot there. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've given him enough credit in, I mean, I'll just run with my bonus because I agree with your bonus. Mm-hmm. I think there's much discussion there. There are a lot of guys in the AFC that deserve credit. Um, James Robinson has had an unreal season. Um, Josh Jacobs as well has had a very good season. Nick Chubb has had a really good season. Um, but I feel like Deshaun should probably get the credit here. Um, Travis Kelsey is also having, I think he's second. In, I, yeah, I, right I'd now. go Travis Kelsey personally um, if, if you're looking for the bonus spot. It, but. It's just my, my only thing is like when I look at it and I look at the team that he's on and the quarterback that he has, like to me, the skill of like Kelsey is, I think, the best tight end in football. I think this year kind of proved that, especially with Kittle not being, you know, healthy for the majority of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, it, when I look at like like Kelsey, at, as good as he is at getting himself open and catching the ball, 
he still has to get the ball thrown to him. Whereas to me, Deshaun Watson, it's like he's relying on his, like all Deshaun can do is get the ball to his receiver at the end of the day. Like the receiver dictates the rest, right? Like he has to, and I don't, I, I feel like Deshaun's got less of a help around him than Kelsey does. So that's mm-hmm. just the only reason why I picked Watson over Kelsey. Yeah. I think, I think uh, Kelsey and even Tyree kill as much as they, you know, as much as they're helped by Mahomes and as much as Mahomes is helped by them, like they, they uh, I, just what they add to the offense in their respective positions is just ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, when you look at, Watson sort of being all alone in Houston that's definitely not a not a bad pick by any means yeah so I think we can slide over to defense here I'm interested to hear what your picks are my I feel like this whole segment was significantly easier for me to pick than it was for you I feel like the NFC has got a lot more competition going uh than the AFC and honestly the only reason why I had any debate through AFC stuff was because of my homerness (laughs) Um, which isn't like, it's not totally unfounded, especially when you look at the stats, but um, I mean, I guess I'll, you want to start with, we'll go lineman and then work our way up. Um, Yeah, sure. So for lineman, it's miles Garrett. Uh, He's had such a good season. I mean, he's just been absolutely unreal. He's, I would say half the reason why that defense is as good as, or I'm not, I don't not, I don't mean to say the Browns defense is like solid, but like the reason why they are, the level they are at, wherever level you may think that is, he is the reason why they are any positive, like in that level. So mm-hmm. he's just, he's so good. It's actually unbelievable how bad I feel for him that he's stuck in Cleveland for the majority of the start of his career. Like it's, it's just so bad, but he's, well, you so know, good. they're, they're coming up, even though they just lost to the jets, they're, they're making yes. steps. Oh yeah. They, they're, they're making steps. For sure on the come up. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I think has looked significantly better this year than he has in the past, what, three years since he got drafted, two years since he got drafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2018. Um, so this is his third, third year. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I, it's just when you, when I watch him play, I feel like I see him be, but I just, I don't know. Garrett's just such a, He's such a force and freak of nature. I mean, he's got 12 mm-hmm. sacks this year, 30 solo, solo tackles, and four forced fumbles. Uh, to put he missed that, a couple games too, which he, is why his yeah, totals aren't is, as high. Right. He, he, well, when you say not as high, so he missed a couple of games, I believe, right? Uh, which games did he miss? Well, I say and not as high, a, like relative to the league leaders, like right, in those right, right, categories. Yeah. But when you look at his career, right, he's played 50 games, right? So he, he played 13 games this year. He's played 15 his entire career. His entire career, he has 42 and a half sacks. He has 12 this year, right? So that's 25 of his sack for percent of his sacks in, I guess, that's around 25% of his games. So I guess that's a little bit more. Um, but he's got 30% of his solo tackles and 40% of his forced fumbles this year. He has 10 forced fumbles on his entire career and he has four this year. Like the, the amount of just sheer statistics that he's creating right now is just, it's unbelievable how good he's been this year. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And it's his second highest sack total, depending on what happens. You know, if he gets two sacks next week, that's it. He's a sack and a half behind his career high. Um, He's tied his career high in combination tackles, so he'll for sure break that. Um, if he gets five more solo tackles, he'll tie. Uh, he's got his most tackles assisted um, in his career. If he gets two more tackles for a loss, which two more sacks would cover that, he'll tie his tackles for loss. Um, QB hits are down compared to 2018, um, but, I mean, he's on pace in pretty much everything else. Mm-hmm. So he's just been – yeah unreal this year and i i just i don't think there's really a another player that's had as good of a season as a lineman compared to garrett well i don't know about that i think i think the player that i'm about to well, name sorry, for defensive line in the, NFC, line, in the, in the NFC. nfc yes okay i agree with that um but for me for the nfc the obvious pick is a tie between montez sweat and chase young as the bet no i'm just kidding um <laughs> the no, it's it's got to be it's got to be Aaron Donald from the Rams. He's well, yeah, second in the league in sacks, thirteen and a half right now, which isn't even close to his career high, which he got I think a couple years ago when he had like over twenty. Um, he's got four forced fumbles this year, and j- even stats aside, like he's 
it's just he's been the best defensive player in the league like just generally speaking for for, for years now and he's he's hasn't done anything to no one else has done anything to overtake him yet at this point and i feel like and certainly not in the nfc he's by by far been the best defensive lineman in the in the NFC for a long time. Oh uh, yeah, I mean he's been the best in the whole league. I mean he's, I, I, it's just it's crazy how good he's actually been. From a, I mean from a defensive line standpoint, the only person who really like, I think Garrett's the only person who actually comes close to him statistically. Like, get so both of them have um, one pass defended. They both have four forced fumbles. Um, Garrett has two recovered. He only has one, whatever. He has more sacks um, than Garrett, but Garrett has more yards created on those, like more yards lost on those sacks. Donald has three extra tackles for loss. Um, He has more total, or he has less total tackles, um, but more assists. So, I mean, it's just, when you look at Aaron Donald, the fact that he's, you know, competing and he's, I mean, second in the league in sacks this year Mm -hmm. and he's getting doubled on every single rush. Like unless they blitz, he's getting doubled. Right. It's insane that he's putting up these numbers and he's getting doubled every single time the ball snapped. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then I guess we'll move on to linebacker. Now I think your pick's pretty obvious. Um, Yeah. TJ Watt leaving, leading the league in sacks with 15 sacks. He's been, one of the best players on a pretty good Steeler defense. Um, you know, if the Steelers end up winning the Super Bowl this year, which I don't think they will, um, it'll be because of their defense, not their offense. Um, and he's been a stud all year long. Uh, very good. That's yeah. as much as I think needs to be said about TJ Watt. Yeah. It, you know, just across the board. Yeah, obviously. Um, for me, I, for NFC linebacker, Maybe a little less obvious, but I think overall the right pick. I'm going with Roquan Smith from the Bears. Right. He leads the NFC in solo tackles. He leads the NFC in tackles for loss as well with 97 and 17, 97 solo tackles, 17 tackles for loss. Um, and he's really just, this is his third year, I think, in the NFL, uh, something close to that. And he's really just taken a huge step forward in a Bears defense that has several other big names and pretty high impact guys but he's been he's really held his own and has become i think one of the best inside linebackers in the entire league yeah for sure he, he's he's had one hell of a season um i don't know I, i'm trying to think of anyone else in the nfc that's really had i mean yeah it's it's tough i mean like normally you'd have a guy like keekly in that conversation mm-hmm. but obviously with him retiring like you know I don't know that there's really anyone else that's been. Yeah. I mean, I, Blake Martinez from the Giants, like he leads the league in tackles a lot, like, or is always up there in tackles, but yeah. I, that's only one aspect. Um, right. You know, there's Jalen Smith is up there statistically speaking, but he's, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he's been criticized a lot. He hasn't had a, he hasn't had a terrific year otherwise. Um, Devin White from Tampa is pretty good as well. Um, but Otherwise, I think I think it's uh, yeah. I, I think I think White might be the closest one in the conference, just off the top of my head. Um, but otherwise, I think it's I think it's Roquan Smith, for sure. Yeah, um, I think we'll move on to defensive backs. Um, and it, it's an interesting conversation in the AFC, but I don't think that there's much of a competition. Like there are two guys who I think are clearly at the top right now can, as far as defensive back play goes. Um, But Miami's Xavier Howard Mm -hmm. clearly has the edge Um, leads the league in interceptions has a 48.4 completion percentage against this year has only given up 595 receiving yards. Um, That's on 93 targets. Uh, he has only given up four touchdowns, but I think the most impressive bit is his QB rating against, and he's got a 43.8 QB rating against this year, which is a drop of 70 points compared to his QB rating against last year. Wow. The the improvement there is staggering. He's been amazing. He is going to be in the conversation 
um, for uh, DPOY this year. Um, I would not be shocked if he won DPOY, especially just given the, I mean, if Miami ends up finding their way into the playoffs, uh, I feel like for sure that'll lock him in. Um, he's been just so good this year. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy how good he's been. Um, and he had a couple of big plays in the um, game against the Patriots. He forced a fumble uh, by Jacoby Myers um, on the 50. And that was huge because at that point in the game, I, wa- I want to say it was a one-point game at that point. And the Patriots looked really good on that drive. They were driving and he forced a fumble um, right on a catch. Like it was barely a fumble. Um, and so it, he's just been, you know, it's, it's plays like that, that to me give him the edge over anyone else in the AFC. Yeah, definitely. Um, for, for NFC, it's a lot more jumbled. I think uh, there, in fact, there, there are four guys that I considered for, for this one spot. They all, all their first names start with the J coincidentally enough. <laughs> um because there's Jair Alexander from Green Bay, Jalen Ramsey from the Rams, and Jamal Adams from the Seahawks. But I ultimately went with James Bradbury from the Giants, which could okay. be a little bit of a controversial pick. But And it, I feel like defensive backs, like they're so hard to evaluate, at least statistically, because, you know, obviously completion percentage against and like how other receivers do against them is a, cute, is a great indicator. But like in terms of interceptions, like those can often be – lucky like it like if you're a really great corner quarterbacks aren't going to target you as many times during the game or like aren't going to target your guy as many times during the game and so that that applies to you know interceptions and passes defended so like it's sort of a mixed bag there and also if you look at tackles um I can't remember who said this but I think it might have been Akib Tlaib he's been broadcasting uh with Fox recently yeah he's been and he said tackles are not a great indicator for the best like def- like for the best corner because that means if you have more t- if you don't want for the most part tackles, that means that you're right. allowing more complete right exactly yeah which it, obviously like if they're chasing down a running back in the backfield then that's one thing but like in a in it's statistically it's just hard to really right. group those guys together but and you could easily pick any one of them i went with bradbury just because he's He's graded really well in you know, analytically speaking. He's got the numbers. He's got he's defend. He's got like 17 passes defended, which is most in the NFC. I know I just said that's not always the best indicator, but still, he's been shutting down opposing receivers. There are only two occasions this year where the opposing team's top receiver totaled over 100 uh, receiving yards, and that was Terry McLaurin and DeAndre Hopkins. And one is a top 15 receiver in the league, I think, if not better if you're if you're really high on Terry McLaurin and obviously as a Washington fan I'm I'm I'll overrate him so I put him at top 15 to sort of at least I think consensus he's in that range and then obviously DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver so he's he's had a few games where he's allowed the other receiver to really just perform well and put up big numbers but otherwise he's been shutting down opposing receivers pretty much this whole entire year and I think that sort of sets him apart from the other guys just barely. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I think just last category going into the bonus for the defense and just one last point to make about Xavier Howard. If you look at Stefan Gilmore's statistics from last year, the only um, category that Howard is worse than compared to Gilmore mm-hmm. um, is touchdowns. Gilmore didn't give up a single touchdown last year compared to Howard who's given up four, but Howard gave up either the same amount or less yards this year, had a better completion percentage against, um, had all, there was a difference of like six targets compared uh, between the two of them, but that's also, you know, he has one more game to play. Um, And, you know, QBR against was better. So he was, you know, he's pretty much on pace with that season. Um, with obviously the only difference being the touchdowns. But uh, the bonus here is J.C. Jackson. Uh, Only one less interception than Howard. Um, His QBR against is 20 points higher, um, and it's actually 30 points higher than it was last year. That's fun Patriots facts. J.C. Jackson actually had a better QBR against than Stephon Gilmore did last year. Wow. Um, You know, he – 
he's he hasn't given he hasn't given up any touchdowns last year. He's given up five this year. So there's he's been worse this year than he was last year technically, but I, I or other than interceptions, he's better in interceptions this year, and he's been targeted more often. But um, he's outplayed pretty much outplayed um, Stephon Gilmore this year. Um, the only thing I mean, Gilmore had I mean Gilmore played um four less games this year due to injury um so and Gilmore slightly better in completion percentage but not by a significant amount giving up 300 less yards mm-hmm. um but been targeted 30 last times so I Jackson just he's had a very good season he's kind of been the cornerstone of the Patriots secondary this year he's been kind of the only bright spot of the Patriots defense this season um, and so that's why I'm giving him the bonus. I feel like he got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. I thought he deserved, you know, credit for how well he's played this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's my bonus pick. He's a restricted free agent this year, so I would not be surprised to see him leave and go get the bag somewhere else. But mm-hmm. you know, if he chooses to stay, I think everybody in New England's gonna be happy. Yeah. Um, and then my so my bonus pick was sort of glossed over them talking about Bradbury, but I went with Jamal Adams here. You could easily go with Ramsey or Alexander. I think they're pretty close together in terms of how they perform this year. But I, I just went with Adams, especially as a bonus, just due to the versatility he brings at safety. You know, he's the fact that he has nine and a half sacks this year and is like up there with like it's most other time, defensive right? linemen. Defensive back? Is, it might be. Yeah, it might be. Uh, I, I haven't looked that closely, but just the, even still like the, Obviously, the sacks are like only part of telling the story when it comes to a defensive player. But the fact that he's in the position he's in and he's making those types of plays all over the field, whether it's all the way deep as a safety and then pressuring quarterbacks and making sacks of the defensive line. I just think when you're thinking about like a wild card or like a bonus type of player, at least as we're structuring it here in this list, that uh, Adams has got to be the pick defensively. Yeah, and just to confirm that stat, he does have the most sacks ever by a defensive back. And to make matters even better, he broke the record by sacking Sam Darnold. So <laughs> he did it against his former team in the New York right. Jets, which is great. But yeah, I mean, I agree. He's been he's been great this year. I mean, he's proved why you know Seattle gave up so much for him. And when you really look at that trade, maybe they didn't give up enough for him. Um, I think the one knock on his game is his coverage. I don't, I think that's something that he could definitely improve on. I'm not saying he's bad at it. I just think that's his weakest category. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. He definitely deserves credit for how well he's played this year. Um, the Seahawks defense has been atrocious, but without him, it'd be just absolutely abysmal. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely made such a big impact on that team that it's, you know, he deserves credit. Yeah, he's definitely bolstered that that just the whole unit a lot and running up a little bit a uh, little bit over time. But real quick, now that we've gone through the list, I just want to get a few minutes of thoughts on the Zidane Shara deal and how that's going to impact the Bruins and then how that's going to impact the Caps and then we're going to wrap it up. Here. Right. I mean, as far as the Bruins go, you just kind of lose a leader in the locker room. Don Sweeney did announce um, today that they will be naming a new captain. Um, so it's Patrice Bergeron, obviously, mm-hmm. like there's no question about that. He said, quote, it's an obvious choice. So right. There's no, there's no question that it'll be Bergeron. Um, that ju- the only impact that has is now that just means that uh, Marchand will be wearing the A every game. Um, and then it's just a matter of if they decide to do what they've been doing for the past few years, which is uh, Krejci wears the A at home and then someone else wears it away. So back, it, the way they've done it for the past few years was Krejci wears it um, at home, Backus would wear it away, Backus <laughs> gets traded. Um, I imagine that Coyle is going to be in that conversation. Um, I think the leadership group of the – so the Bruins for the past few seasons have had this leadership group um, that basically consisted of Zeno Chara, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, David Backus, and Brad Marchand. Marchand was not officially an alternate captain, but he was part of that leadership group. I think that coming into this season, they're going to do the same thing, except you're going to have uh, Krejci, Marchand, Coyle as your official alternate. And I think that uh, McAvoy takes a step up and is placed into that. So if at any point in the season, 
um, Krejci or Coyle are injured, I think that we see McAvoy wearing the A. It does leave a hole in the penalty kill. It'll be interesting to see how they fill that. I think McAvoy is ready to step up and play some big penalty kill minutes. Um, Carlo, I think, is ready to step up and play big penalty kill minutes. Unfortunately, they're both right-handed defensemen, so you can't play them both at the same time. Um, however, I think that a guy like – I mean – it, that, that's really that's the issue they need a left defenseman now for the penalty kill mm-hmm. uh i i don't think that Lawson's gonna step up there grizzlick's definitely more I, as much as i love grizzlick he's more of an offensive d-man than he is a defensive defenseman and he's gonna be i mean how much can you really play him right like mcavoy will play on power play and on penalty kill i don't know that whether or not the Bruins are going to be comfortable playing Grizzlick on the power play and the penalty kill. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they pick between McAvoy and Grizzlick to be the lead on the power play. Um, but those will be your two power play defensemen this year. Um, as far as the pickup by Washington from an outsider's perspective, I think it's a good pickup. Um, we've talked a little bit about this. You would know a little bit more about their defensive situation than I would. But when I look at Chara, Last year, he was as good as he's been in the past five years, pretty much. Um, I don't know that the plus minus and the points necessarily shows that, but um, the sheer just ability to not get beat on breakaways, he finally figured out how to adjust to his lack of speed. Um, And so I thought that – so not this season – the season that they lost in game seven to the Blues – he was getting beat a lot on breakaways and, you know, not picking up his speed this year. I think he did a really good job of staying home and coming really far back and playing very conservatively, which did two things. It stopped him from getting beat and it allowed McAvoy to play really aggressively. So I think this is a great pickup by Washington, especially at the contract that they got him for. Um, He'll be a great penalty killer for them. Um, whether or not he plays every night is one thing, but I feel like given the report that came out today, that the reason why he didn't resign with the Bruins was because he wasn't going to be in the lineup every night. He was apparently they told him he would be a healthy scratch. I think that points towards Washington expecting him to be in the lineup almost every game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use him, but yeah, I mean, Bruins fans love him. I love him. I wish he didn't leave. Um, but I respect the move on both sides. I see why the Bruins didn't want to give him time every single game, and I see why he wanted time every single game. Yeah. So for for me, I'm not I'm not upset by the by the contract or anything like that. Obviously, to get a type of player of his caliber and just his the amount of respect that he'll bring to the locker room and accountability. I think that's something that the team's been lacking. I think he'll step in right away as one of the team's leaders. Who knows if he'll get a letter at least right away. I think obviously Ovechkin's the captain. Backstrom's going to be wearing the A. Carlson just received the A, I believe, last year or the year before that, like full-time. So who knows, maybe Char will get that second A over Carlson. But if not, Carlson's been been here for – this will be his 11th season by now. I think he'll he'll sort of maintain that. And uh, But either way, that's not going to stop Char from having a voice in the locker room. So I like that from every other aspect. Still, this is just an old team – that looked really sluggish in the playoffs this past year. And not to say that Chara is, you know, sluggish by any means, especially she is, there's no debate around that, but he's, he's also 40, like he's also in his forties. Like it's 44 years old. So, right. So I'm, I'm a little less, like I'm a little less hard on him in that respect. Like the fact that he's still playing. um, But yeah, like this team needs youth. You know, they weren't going to get, you know, they weren't, they weren't going to get much this season anyway, just given the fact they're, minor league system isn't as great as it's in the bottom half of the league by at best um it probably bottom 10 too um yeah i and the fact is they've got i think now eight active defensemen um on the 23 man roster and they still need an extra forward and a backup goaltender to sign on and as it stands right now they're like three and a half million over the cap four million is going to go to the is going to be added back because Lundqvist and Michael Kempney are going to be going on long-term injury reserve. So there'll be about, there'll be a little less than a million, I think, or maybe a little more than a million. Um, They'll have a little bit over a million in cap space to get a backup uh, goaltender to replace uh, Lundqvist and then a 13th forward. uh, Cause I'm assuming with all the injury concerns and the age of the lineup and even COVID, if like someone tests positive and, has to sit out 
they shouldn't roll with just 12 forwards uh, going into the season. They're going to need to figure that out. Um, so I feel like that money might've been better spent on just on one of those positions. If they, if they thought if they could have gotten, gotten anyone with uh, an extra $800,000 to add to the salary cap, because as bad as the caps minor league system is uh, left defenseman is one of their strengths. Like they've got uh, Alexander Alexiev and Martin Fehavari who were first and second round picks respectively in 2018. And they're probably like a year or two away from being ready to play in the NHL. And uh, obviously Chara probably isn't going to be, I wouldn't expect him to be here after the season if he, whether he retires or goes elsewhere, but I don't know. It just seems like a bottom pair defenseman, which is probably what he's going to be given what the top four uh, in Washington is right now. Uh, I just don't think that was the biggest need to go after Uh, off the ice. I think it's a great move on the ice. I, you know, he'll help our penalty kill. He'll give us depth defensively, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, But otherwise I just feel like they could have, they could have gone elsewhere. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much, how much this does in terms of really improving the team. I think, I was talking with Chad Jones, who's uh, who I work with on the Boston Hockey Blog and is also with WTBU, and he mentioned this, and I agree that Chara provides infinitely more value to the Bruins than he does any other team. And maybe infinite is a stretch, but I still think that he's much more valuable with the Bruins after everything he's done and everything he's meant to that franchise over the past 14, 15 years than he is walking into a new place. So I think that's right. I think off the ice, I think it's fine. I think he's going to be a good voice. He'll be we need leadership. We need accountability. I think that'll be great in that respect on the ice. You know, I, you know, I keep echoing this, but I, I don't know. I feel like the money could have been spent better elsewhere. Um, but so you know, the one, the, the one thing it. I will say is I think that his value is really going to be seen developmentally. Um, I, they have a couple of young defensemen, right? Washington. Yeah, no, and we've got, Jonas Siegenthaler, or yeah, Siegenthaler, who's uh, 23 years old. He's the youngest defenseman by far. He's been one of the better uh, bottom pair defensemen in the league, at least uh, just analytically speaking. Just when you look at analytics, I don't have them, you know, on yeah, me right now or off yeah, the top no, of my head. But he's still, he's still one of the better, you know, bottom pair defensemen. He's not going to be, you know, he that's probably like his NHL ceiling. But he's already there. He's 23. So Chara is going to be on the third pair and playing most nights, maybe sitting back-to-back since there's going to be a lot of back-to-back games. Even if Siegenthaler is the seventh defenseman, I feel like that's just holding back his development if he's the seventh defenseman rather than being on the bottom pair every single night. What would be good – so what Chara really – his role has been – so he's been technically a first-line for – the Bruins' defensive lines have been weird, like, for the past couple of years. Um but he played a lot with Connor Clifton this year. And so he was really just, you know, helping develop Clifton and helping be a role model for him. And just the two of them playing on the same line is really helpful for Clifton. Um, so that's, that's the level, uh, you know, he kind of brings. So I kind of compare it to, you know, um, the Mets in 2018, I think might be 19. I want to say it, what, the, the when they brought back Jose Reyes and Jose played for like two years with the Mets, um, they brought him in because he's from the same place as Ahmed Rosario and they play the same position and Ahmed Rosario looked up to him growing up. Right. So they brought him in as a development guy. They foster a relationship and he did what he could to help Rosario become a better fielder, which I think he did a pretty good job of doing that. So I think that is the, the value of Chara right now is him helping develop the young talent that they have in the organization that is going to get playing time this year and can be getting playing time in the future. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like where he does fit in. Cause as you mentioned, he didn't want to come back to the Bruins as a taxi squad guy or as a extra defenseman. And I think I heard there were like 20 teams that, you know, at least contacted him about signing. Uh, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. He's the uh, longest tenured captain in the NHL. Like you, you're going to want a leader like that on your team. There's no right. the glue guy. So it's clear he's going to be, at least as of right now, his understanding and the team's understanding is that he's going to be playing at somewhat regularly, if not, not every single night, but he's going to be there uh, 
most games this season. And he did play 68 games last year. It's not like he's on his last legs. He can still, he can still be out there with the rest of them. And that's not uh, just a, Oh, he played 68 games. That's he played 68 games and had the most average time on ice of anyone on the Bruins. Yeah, no. So he can still, he can still kick it with, with everyone. I think, uh, Obviously, those minutes are going to start to be reduced over the next however many years he does play. Just at and this point, if they're smart, that's but, how they do it. Right, they reduce um, the minutes, and I think that maximizes his value. If you play him twenty minutes a night, I think he's going to be unreal. Yeah, so you know, we'll we'll see how it works. I, I don't hate the move, especially off the ice. I really think it's a great addition, just uh, in the locker room and everything like that. Uh, on the ice, I'm a little bit wary about like how the team is going to look just because there are other needs, at least more pressing needs that they could have addressed. Um, but if they sure. didn't find any other, uh, they didn't, if they don't really see any other free agents on the market right now or any other trade pieces of any kind that would help them like that, like Chara would help them, then, you know, go for it, try it out. Uh, they're really trying to be the oldest team in the country, especially if they decide <laughs> to to sign Craig Anderson as the backup uh, oh, who's 39 years old. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they're the best team of 2009 for sure with uh, Chara best Backstrom. Team of 2009. Chara Love and uh, Lundquist if he was, if he was healthy, but I think, uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, yeah. Happy new year to anyone who's, who's listening. Uh, 2020 nearly over right now. I forgot it was new year's Eve before in this whole uh, span. It doesn't feel uh doesn't feel like it, but yeah, it's going to be weird. 2021. Yeah. Happy new year, everybody. Uh, good luck with uh, your 2020s. Try to make some good resolutions, I guess. We'll <laughs> see how the hockey season pans out. Oh, um, opening night is in exactly two weeks. Um, 13th, right? Is it 13th or 14th? The league starts the 13th. I know the Caps' first game is on the 14th. Maybe the yeah, Bruins Yeah, I think the, the Bruins well. are on the 14th, so that's why yeah. I got confused. But, yeah, so, so league yeah. starts in less than two weeks now. NBA is going on. Uh, the Wizards managed to dunk on their own basket. Yeah, no, we're, we're not talking Julius, about the Wizards right now. Maybe another Julius day. Julius but... <laughs> Randle for MVP. Heard it here first. Right. Jul- yeah, Julius Randle, Knicks don't look terrible. Um yeah, yeah, until everyone gets injured. Tom Thibodeau effect. All right. Happy yeah, new- we got we gotta talk about the NBA next time, but uh we will, yeah for sure. That'll right, take it. Year, everybody. Take it for Thank here. You. Thank you for listening.